Alright, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 4 for the last time in a month. Because uh, I'll be taking off the next month for uh, Europe. No, not. I'm going to be here. It's going to be Tuesday night preaching. Awesome preaching. August starts next Tuesday, so I get to, to take a break on Wednesday night. On a day like this, I wish it had started tonight because uh, we had a, a rough time today. Sometimes it's easy to preach, sometimes it's not, and there's a lot on the line when there's so many people that are out of church listening to you, and just pray that God would uh, work. I sure appreciate all of you that stayed about 5 o'clock, cleaned up. I was noticing Miss uh, um, Lois working real hard, and Brother Lamar, and Miss Nell, our senior saints. They're not that old, but they're, they're uh, not young either, and they never complain, they're just working hard, and you know, right at the right before the sermon, a, a lady came up to me. I believe it was a sister of Bertie, Christina, and she was in tears. And she said, "I just want to thank you for your loving church." I said, "What do you, what do you mean, ma'am?" She says, "It was just uh, just overcame me last night all the outpouring of of uh, love and um, concern and the visits." And she said, "I know that uh, my little sister wasn't." A very popular person as far as the world's concerned or had great, you know, wealth. But y'all treated her like a queen. And I appreciate that. And I said, well, she treated us first uh, in her love and kindness. First preacher preached on one word, love, and I preached on one word, precious. Precious in the sight of the Lord or the death of his saints, but also she had precious faith. And I don't know if anybody uh, taped the message, but the, another sister wanted that message for a young lady that didn't get to come to the funeral that's been tormented with doubt. I preached on First Second Peter chapter 1. It's the, greatest, it's the greatest chapter on assurance of salvation. And you that's been through doubting of salvation, you know what a torment it is. So I was hoping somebody taped it. Our friendly undertaker didn't. But um, I thought it might have been taped. And it was the first time I ever preached that message at a funeral. Uh, but it's on assurance of salvation. All right, First John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. I'm glad I... And preach this message on love one another because y'all demonstrated it. And I'm so proud of our church. Proud to pastor a church that loves and cares and expresses love. You know, to a lost and dying world, the only thing that's going to make a difference is love. To a cult uh, member, the only thing that's going to make a difference is love. A religious person, the only thing that's going to touch their heart is love because they don't have much of that in religion. It's just all regulations and rituals and et cetera and et cetera. But love makes a difference, and I want to preach on that just for a few minutes. Tonight we'll go verses 7 uh, through 12, and I don't know if I'll get all of it done, and uh, I will continue this series uh, in September. Uh, okay, so I'm, wherever I stop, I'll mark it, and we'll just keep on going through First John. And y'all can watch it, uh, Master Club leaders online. Brother Cody, pray for him. He's, I think he's traveling back Saturday. Well, we got a lot for him to do, amen? I can... My computer's blown up and all kinds of things that he's going to have to look at. And uh, we're just glad to have him back. And I know Joel's glad. He did a, he's done a great job filling in for Brother Cody. I'm telling you that right now. Uh, and uh, it takes a Georgia Tech graduate to run that sound room back there and to keep Brother Larry straight. I mean, it, does. it, it takes a lot, praise God. But uh, thank the Lord. Brother Cody will be on his way back. And uh, he's already advised... Uh, uh, President Trump on what to do and everything's going to be fine. Amen. Everything's in good hands. Amen. Just pray and fast and get right with God. That's what he told him to do. Amen. 
and I believe he's going to do it. Look at verse 7 uh, through uh, 12. If you're tired as I am, y'all don't want to stand, but if i got to stand for 30 minutes, you're going to stand for two. Amen. Come on, stand up and honor the Word of God. Amen. I thought about sitting on a bar stool and being contemporary just right there, you know, wear a turtleneck so I'd be more comfortable and uh, grow my hair long, which would be impossible, and just be, just be cool, but I'm not. Beloved, let us love one another. Amen. For love is, here's the next word that's so key, of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. But he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. This was manifested, the love of God towards us, because God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. And folks, that really means, that word perfected means it's so mature that it overflows. So I want to preach just a few minutes on uh, Love one another, but also the overflow of God's love. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you, God, for touching hearts. I believe souls are going to be saved. I pray for these two young girls, this one single girl and this one teenage girl that's going to be here Sunday. If they're not saved, I pray they'll get saved. And Daddy and Mama, and I just thank you, God, for planting the seed of love through so many people cooking and attending and going by and taking the time to weep with those that are hurting and love and, and uh, just be there. And Lord, we thank you that you're always there and you always care when we're hurting. So Lord, thank you for a chance to be your vessel of love. And Lord, we pray that you'd use this message to stir us, and challenge us to be more loving, especially towards the lost, the backslidden, and even our fellow laborers and servants. God, thank you. Thank you that we're never, never more like you than when we love. And so, Lord, help us to be filled overflowing with the spirit of love. In Jesus' name, amen. Someone asked, what is love? And, folks, of course, 1 John 4, 7, 8 tells us that God is love. And, you know, I was, taught, I was preaching this afternoon about Miss Birdie being such a precious lady. But I'll just want to say this. She would just be an old bitty if she hadn't got saved instead of a precious birdie, amen? Uh, she would just be grouchy, old, senior citizen that nobody could get along with because I'm going to tell you something, the average senior citizen lost is grumpy, amen? You ever met one of those? And I mean grouchy, complaining, uh, telling everybody about their rheumatism that nobody wants to hear about. And I'm going to tell you something, friends, she was a sweet, precious lady all because of Jesus, Amen? It's all because of his love. Well, I'm going to tell you something. By nature, you're selfish. And by nature, you're self-centered. I know you came all the way here to hear that. But only God's grace can deliver us from our selfishness. And so when we're filled with grace and filled with God and filled with the love of God, then God is love. And the whole world knows that. And so, folks, you're never more powerful in your testimony than when you love. The first preacher got up. He was a relative, and he just read the eulogy, but he's, he, he, he said, I got one word for Miss Birdie, and that's love. And I will tell you something, the last time I visited her, she said, 
tell the whole church, Brother Wayne, that I love them. And I said, I sure will, Miss Bird. And I delivered that message Sunday morning. And she always loved everybody by name. And that was amazing. I can't even remember all my grandchildren's names. And she knows them all and where they're at. And that's amazing. But folks, uh, love is God. And love is yielding to God. It's not a matter of wheeling and dealing and uh, trying to love somebody that's not lovable and lo unloving. And sometimes it's harder to love people, uh, some people than others. But here's, here's what some author said about love. Love is silent when your words would hurt. Mm. Love is patient when your neighbor's curt. Love, it is deafness when a scandal flows. Love is thoughtfulness for others' woes. Love is promptness when uh, stem duties calls, stern duty calls. Love is courageous when misfortune falls. Another said this, love never, love ever gives, forgives, outlives, and ever stands with open hands, and while it lives, it gives, and this is love's prerogative, to give, give, and give. Henry Drummond also said this, I love abundantly is to live abundantly, and to love forever is to live forever. Hence, eternal life is extrinsically bound up with love. We want to live forever for the same reason we want to live tomorrow. Why do we want to live tomorrow? It's because there is someone who loves you. There is someone who loves you and you want to see tomorrow and be with and love back. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. Love makes life fulfilled because God is love. And folks, love is better demonstrated than defined. Uh, love, uh, F.M. Meyer said this, you can no more define the essence of love than you can define the essence of God. Amen? You, you don't define it, you demonstrate it. So in these next 15 verses on this subject about loving one another, I want to give you the key elements and I want to give you the key to, to loving God but loving others. First of all, love is an outcome of a personal relationship with God. It's an outcome of a personal relationship with God. Look at verse 7. The Bible says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. I like 1 John 3, verse 14. The Bible says, We know that we pass from death into life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Folks, the Bible clearly says it. If you don't love church, you don't love the Word of God, you don't love others, you don't love to be around uh, God's people, you're not saved. That's what it's saying. That's exactly what, and that's what I preached at the funeral. Folks, I want to tell you something. Birds, of a, uh, birds like to flock together. Ducks like to flock together. It's their nature. We have a divine nature that helps us want to be with Christians. Amen? And we want to love. And our nature gives us, uh, the divine nature gives us the right appetites, but it gives us the right associations. I mean, we just love to be around God's people. Amen? And I'm telling you, something's wrong with a person that doesn't love the things of God, the people of God, the Word of God, and love to see souls saved. Matter of fact, a lot of people are so in love with themselves, they stay home every Sunday and uh, think that's loving God. Folks, we need to manifest the love of God. The Bible tells us to even love our enemies, Luke chapter 6, 35. Now, that's a challenge, amen? But as Christians, we ought to love more than the world loves. The world loves if you love them. But God says love them that don't love you and that are hard to love. 
And so, folks, first of all, we need to realize human nature is not full of love. This world's not full of love. It's full of manipulation and lust. But, folks, I want to tell you something. When you're yielded to the Spirit of God, He is love overflowing. And so we have life, the life we have is from God. It's from God, verse 7. But also, the life we have, uh, the love we have is from God. Notice the phrase in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God. That literally means born from above and knoweth God. So love is, love is that uh, evidence that you're saved. Love is the evidence that someone lives within you besides you. And that is the love of God. So the trademark that we ought to be known for is our love, our compassion. We ought to look at people differently. I was looking at that family that was eating with us today, and I said, I've got to get an opportunity to talk to him. I've got to. And then I found out as I was talking to him, he came here as a 12-year-old boy, and he came in here and said, the auditorium was facing this way. And I said, where have you been? I said, I remember you had a bad accident, lost one eye, lived on... Uh, uh, lived on, uh, still lives same place, Brother John. You picked him up, and he said, "I sure need to get in church, preacher. I got two girls. One's 25. I couldn't believe she was 25. One's 16, and they need to be in a Sunday school class. What time Sunday school start? And I want to tell you something. When I spoke to them, they re they responded. But my inclination was, I was so tired, I just wanted to eat some ham and biscuits and go home. And so, folks, our nature's selfish. Our nature's self-centered. Our nature is, you know, isolation instead of, instead of getting involved in people's lives and introducing yourself and finding out where they're at and, and inviting them to your Sunday school class or, your, or to your uh, master club uh, class or to, to the church, amen. And folks, it's all because we love one another as God loved us. I'm glad God invited me when I wasn't looking for him. I'm glad God came to me on the fifth row at uh, Wesley Hills Baptist Church uh, and told me that he loved me, and uh, after a preacher preached on hell, that I didn't have to go there. So God always takes an initiative. I'll get to that in just a minute. Then love is the outgrowth of a progressive relationship with God. Number two, a progressive relationship with God. It, it's experimental knowledge of God. Look at verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth, loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. And so, folks... The word knoweth speaks of, of uh, knowing God. Preached on that this afternoon. Don't tell me you know God if you don't have the nature of God and that you have fruit. And folks, there it is. If you ever doubt your salvation, just inspect your own fruit. See if there's a desire for God. See if there's a desire to be in the house of God. You say, well, I don't remember how loud I prayed, how long I prayed, or even if I even prayed. I don't remember the day. I don't remember the night. But I want to tell you something. You can look at this. You can see if there's fruit, present tense in your life, and folks, and you're not barren. You know, a mother knows that she's a mother. And the Bible says in 1 Peter, or 2 Peter chapter 1, is that uh, if you have no fruit, you're barren. That means you're not, you're, not a, you're, not a, a, you're not a child of God. You're lost. And so by their fruits, you'll know them. And so, folks, this is uh, to know God. Job 30, 42, verse 5. In experimental knowledge of God, says this: It says, "I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee." Through all the trials of Job, we're starting this Sunday morning a new series. Job heard about God, 
and uh, he had certain knowledge about God. But I want to tell you something. When he knew God was real is when he saw him and come through in his suffering. And he lost uh, his whole family and lost his, his health and lost his uh, farm and lost everything, his riches. And, and then God came on the scene and comforted his heart. Then he knew him. And so, folks, I want to tell you something. It might be that God's going to break the heart of your loved one and then you've got to walk in on that, that heart break. And you've got to walk in in that funeral home and you've got to walk in that emergency room and you've got to walk in that bankruptcy court and you've got to walk in that tragedy of losing a child or losing a husband or losing a wife and that's a tragedy. I can't imagine what a tragedy that would be. And folks, walk right in there like God would walk in there and touch their lives. That proves Proof positive evidence that God is real. So play it safe if you want to and be isolated if you want to. But I'm going to tell you something. Nobody will see God. Nobody will get saved. Nobody will uh, get under conviction because you didn't walk in love into their mess. And that mess becomes a message. Amen? Thank the Lord for that. And folks, that is your opportunity. God, man's extremity is God's opportunity. Number B, uh, expanding knowledge of God. It says knoweth, knoweth. The word knoweth is active voice, present tense, meaning learning and understanding of God uh, going in the presence. It's not a conclusive, I just know God. It's that you get to know God more and more and more and that you love God more and that you express God's love more. And I want to tell you what's exciting, folks. This is a good day to show the love of God. If there's ever a sad day we live in, it's now. It's so impersonal, cold, calculated, skeptical, cynical. You ever knocked on a door lately? You ought to try it. Man, people are just standoffish. I'm going to tell you what will break them down. The love of God. Amen? And you're not there to pad your Sunday school attendance. And you're not there to build Whitfield Baptist Church. You're not there to break 200, which I pray every day that we'd break 200 again. That's not the goal. The goal is to show the love of God to a world that's so skeptical and cynical they don't even believe God. We're in a post-Christian era. We're in an anti-Christ spirit. And folks, the only thing that's going to break that ice and break into that darkness and break into that callous heart is the love of God in you. The love of God in you. So I'm going to try to muster up, son. Don't muster up any. Just yield and let God be who he is through you. And folks, it's not manipulative. It's just giving. I heard of a, a, a lady that wrote uh, her fiancé. She broke up and she said, Dear Jimmy, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I felt since breaking our engagement. Please say that you will take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart. So please forgive me. I love you, I love you, I love you. Yours forever, Maria. P.S. And congratulations for winning the state lottery. And I want to tell you, a lot of people have a reason to love and they're manipulative and they're trying to get some external reason to love. Folks, the reason to love is God loves you. And God is inside of you. And it's a growing process. We need to love one another. And folks, the only time that they'll know that there is God and God is love is through you. God set up amazing situation with people that 
just don't believe. And you need to love them as God loves them. And I'm glad it doesn't depend on our feelings or our actions. It just requires our yielding. Number three, I want you to notice love is an outflow of a proven relationship. It's an outflow of a proven relationship with God. Look at uh, verse 7 again. It says, uh, verse, the last phrase, And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Everyone that loveth knoweth God. And folks, listen, what, the presence of love shows what? It shows you're born of God. It just shows you're born of God. Look at it. Look at verse 7. We sing this song. Why can't we believe it? It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is a God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. That's an intimate term, that you're walking in fellowship. And I want to tell you something. You're no more, you're no more, uh, more like the devil than when you're bitter because the devil's bitter. He got kicked out of heaven. He, he wanted to be God, and he's not going to be God. And I want to tell you something. Ever since then, he's been trying to trip people up through bitterness, anger, lack of forgiveness, holding grudges. Folks, it's infiltrating the church. God help us. And folks, what we need to do is love one another. And one of the greatest ways to love one another is forgiveness. You're never more like Jesus than when you forgive. You say, well, it's hard to forgive. Well, it was hard for Jesus to forgive you, but he did. What is, and then what is, the relationship with God, the outflow, it's, it's the presence of love shown but also it's what the absence of love states. Look at verse 8. It says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And so if a person does not love, it states this. It's evidence they've never been saved. Never been saved. And it's an evidence that he isn't manifesting the love of God that's been given to him, and he reveals a lack of spiritual growth if he is saved. In other words, he's not yielding to the spirit, he's, he's yielding to the flesh. And so we need to realize that loving one another is evidence of a relationship. It comes from a relationship. It's love of God. This is so elementary, but so, so needed. Now look at verse 9 through 12 in closing. And I'll be very brief tonight. It says, And this was manifest the love of God towards us because that God sent his only son begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him here in His love not that we love God but that He loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation for ours. Folks listen love has three foundational truths. Number one who God is. God is love. What God did He sent His Son verse 9 and 11 and then what is God doing verse 12 through 18 He's abiding in you and living through you the hope of glory the glory departed from the temple and Ezekiel saw the departure of the glory of God. Then the glory of God showed up in John chapter 1 in Jesus Christ. He's the glory of God showed up. And now the glory of God abides in you. But folks, not only does the glory of God bind you, but God's love abides in you. So the key is that who God is, He's love. What God did, He sent His Son. That's enough. But thank God what God is doing, He's abiding in you. Not just to be residing. But he wants to rule. He wants to overrule, and he wants to he wants to overflow in your life. Now let me just close by saying there's here's the key to this passage: the manifestation of love. The manifestation of love. Look at verse 9 through 12. The Bible says, In and this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. 
And folks, listen, the manifestation means rendered apparent. Um, uh, manifest means make it clear, make it plain. Folks, there's a term that John loved so much. God so loved, so loved. Let me, can I ask you a question? Is there anybody that say, you know, he, just, he so loved me. He so loved me when I was ugly and plain and, 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 and uh, unlovable. Folks, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. And we ought to so love. We ought to show compassion. We ought, to be, we ought to be concerned that we would get hurt trying to love people. And I'll guarantee you, you try to, you try to uh, love people, you're going to get hurt because they're going to walk off. I heard from another um, uh, fellow I hadn't heard in 10 years today, and he said, can you send me a little money, $50? I'm in prison again, Brother Larry. It's not you. And I said, I ain't never heard from you in months and years CJ, what in the world are you ringing my number again for? Because he wants some money. Money. And so I kind of feel used once in a while. Say amen. Have you ever had that feeling? Get in the ministry and you're going to feel used. But I want to tell you something. It's worth it if we can break through with love. I'm not giving him the $50, by the way. But I'm just saying this because I've given him a whole lot more than that. Amen. And don't, don't, don't remind my wife. But God so loved, <laughs> so loved, but stop laughing. God so loved, we got to keep on loving. We got to keep on giving. And folks, it's not based on us doing it, say amen. We must yield to the Spirit of God. And folks, love always has an object. Look at this. He said in verse 9, manifest his love towards us. Isn't that special? Towards us. I want to ask you a question. I want to remind you of this. Where did God find you? And let me ask you another personal question since you come on Wednesday night. You can take it. Where would you be if God hadn't loved you? Where would you be if you weren't saved tonight? I hate to think of where some of y'all be. But Larry, I don't know where you'd be. You'd probably be sending me a note send me $50. Probably more than that. But God saved you out of that jail. God sent Frank McCarty, an 83-year-old man, on a Sunday morning when most of uh, senior citizens sleep into the last minute, get the rheumatoid medicine on their foot and try to move a little step. He's in the jail going cell to cell and said, Come here, boy. I want to tell you about all of sin and come short of the glory of God. I want to show you the wage of sin is death. He went through the Romans road with him. Praise God. He got saved on a Sunday morning by a senior citizen that loved God. Amen. Now he was a young whippersnapper that would kill somebody for a, for a stupid jacket with uh, ta tattoos, decals all over it. Amen. I mean he was a mean uh, rat hole gang member. But I'm going to tell you what he saw. He saw God in Frank McCarty. Amen. Old man got up on a Sunday morning and said, come here boy. I want to tell you about how much God loved you. Amen. Hey, friend, I'm going to tell you something. He probably looked and said, well, what's he doing here this early in the morning, on Sunday morning? And he had no hope, no desire, no aspirations to do anything but go back and get another high, get another drug, sell another pint of blood so he could have another high. And God intercepted his life through an old man, an older man. 83 don't seem too old now. And I want to tell you something, friend. It's towards us. 
Would you walk towards somebody this week? Oh, yes, hand all the tracks out you can. But I mean behind that track, why don't you pray and weep over that soul? Why don't you go to them when, it, when, you, when you know it's inconvenient and you'd rather sleep in on Saturday morning than Saturday? Or you'd rather make some money? Then love always has an objective. Look at verse 9 again. And this was manifested the love of God towards us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. There's an objective of love. Folks, we were dead in our sins and trespasses when Jesus found us. But verse 5 says, but God, but grace. God intercepted my life when I wasn't even looking for Him. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. God will intercept anybody's life, but I believe in this day and age, they're going to have to see you love them for a while because they're just fed up with TV evangelists and all kinds of cults and all kinds of things, and I've never seen such skeptical people in all my life. But I want to tell you how to break through to that. Knock on their door, not because they won the state lottery and have a, another tither, but to love them because God loves you. That's why I think it's so important. I used to preach against this, and I've changed my, 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 my viewpoint of this. I believe that your testimony is one of the most powerful ways to knock on doors. And I'm saying, friend, you ought to get to the Word of God and not just have your testimony, but I want to tell you something. A lot of people need to hear your testimony. They need to see it because they're, they're, not, they're not emotional and they're distant. And I want to tell you something, friend. Um, they... They need God. They need a touch from God. There was a lady, Renee Spitz, did, a, uh, did a, 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 the absence of parental affection doctorate in her college, and she went to a South American orphanage. And this lady named Renee observed and recorded that what happened to 97 children who were deprived of emotional and physical contact with others. Because of lack of funds, there was not enough staff to adequately care for these children and ages three months to three years of age, nurses changed their diapers, fed and bathed the children, but there was little time to hold, cuddle, and talk to them as a mother would. And after three months, many of them showed signs of abnormality. Besides a loss of appetite and being un unable to sleep well, many of the children laid with a vacant expression in their eyes. After five months, serious deterioration set in. They laid whimpering and troubled and twisted faces. Often when a doctor or nurse would pick up an infant, they would scream in terror. Twenty-seven, almost one-third of the children died the first year, but not from lack of food or health or care. They died of a lack of touch and emotional nurture. And because of this, seven more died the second year, and only 21 of the 97 survived but most of them suffered serious psychological damage. They had food, they had clothing, they had bed, they just didn't have love. Folks, without love, people die. Without love, your friend's going to hell. Without love, your workmate's going to hell. Without love, the member of the First Baptist Church is going to hell. The member of the Catholic Church is going to hell. The member of the Jehovah Witness is going to hell. Hey, folks, maybe a member of Whitfield Baptist Church that won't even come to church is going to hell. I'm not judging. I'm fruit inspecting. And I won't do much fruit inspecting. I'll let you, I'll let you uh, find out if they're saved or lost. 
But folks, I want you to notice, last but not least, the measure of love. Verse 10, we, we're reminded of this. Here in his love, listen, here, here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You know, I want to say something about love. Love takes the initiative. I often said this when you're, when you're fussing with people and fighting with people. The most spiritual always makes the first move. Yes, sir. If you, hey, listen. A bitter person ain't going to make the first move. They, they want to kill you. They'd really like to shoot you and say you died of chicken pox or something. But they, they really don't like you. But I want to tell you something. A man or a lady full of the Holy Ghost and full of love, I want to tell you something. Love takes the initial step. Romans 5, 8 said, God commended his love while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Aren't you glad he didn't wait till you got lovable? Wait till you got better. And then love takes a sacrificial step. Look at verse 10, the last part of it, and I'll quit. It says, He sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You know what propitiation means? It means satisfying of God's justice. And folks, the only way to satisfy God's justice is that somebody had to die and Jesus took your place. That's love. So I'm telling you this, friend. If you're waiting for somebody that's bitter at you to love you, you could, you'll probably die before they'll ask forgiveness. But if you're spiritual, you make the first move. Because, folks, love always initiates. Aren't you glad God made the first move towards you? He sent a preacher. Hey, he sent a saved husband. He sent a saved wife. He sent a soul winner. Hey, he sent the word of God. He sent, somebody, he sent you to America. He had you be Amer uh, born in uh, good old Georgia where there's, a, there's a, uh, a church on every corner and preaching on every radio station. He gave you a loving grandmother to pray for you. Gave you a mama. Folks, I want to tell you something. Love always initiates. Love always initiates. But second of all, love always sacrifices. He sent his son. I want you to fathom that just a minute. He sent his son. His only begotten son. That means special born son. He sent his son. He gave his son. Now folks, that'd be hard for me to give Jason for somebody to live. It'd be hard for me to give Stephen for somebody to live. It'd be hard for you to give your little honey up for somebody else to live. Now, here's a true story and blows my mind. But folks, this, we, we ought to have sacrificial love. We ought to express sacrificial love. Um, I read this illustration about the ultimate sacrifice of love, and I'll, I'll close with this, I promise, because I'm tired as you are. After a few of the unusual Sunday evening hymns, of the usual Sunday hymns, you know, just a regular service going on. The church pastor slow, slowly stood up, walked over to the pulpit, and before he gave his sermons for the evening, briefly introduced a guest minister who was in the service that evening. In his introduction, the pastor told the congregation that the guest minister was one of his dearest childhood friends. Now listen, and that he wanted him to have a few moments to <clears throat> greet the church and to share whatever he felt would be appropriate for the service. And this is what he shared. He says, with that, the elderly man stepped up to the pulpit and began to speak. He said, the father, his son, and a friend of his son, the father, his son, and a friend of his son were sailing off in the Pacific coast and began when a fast approaching storm blocked any attempt to get back to shore. 
The waves were so high that even though, though the father was an experienced sailor, he could not keep the boat upright and, there, and, and, and three were swept into the ocean as the bo uh, boat capsized. The old man hesitated for a moment, got his breath and his composure, making eye contact with two teenagers who for the first time since the service began looked somewhat interested in his story. I know that feeling. And the age, aged minister continued with this story. He said, grabbing a rescue line, the father had to make the most excruciating decision of his life to which boy he would throw the other end of the lifeline. He only had seconds to make the decision. The father knew that his son was a Christian, born again, and he, and he also knew that his son's friend was not saved. The agony of his decision could not be matched uh, by the torrent of waves. As the father yelled out, I love you, son, he threw out the lifeline to his son's friend. And by the time the father had pulled the friend back to the capsized boat, his son had disappeared beneath the raging swells into the black of night. His body was never recovered. By this time, the two teenagers were sitting up straight in the pew, anxiously waiting for the next words to come out of the old minister's mouth. The father, he continued, knew his son would step into eternity with Jesus and he could not bear the thought of his son's friend stepping into eternity of hell without Jesus. And therefore he sacrificed his son to save his son's friend. How great is the love of God that he should do the same for us. Our heavenly father sacrificed his only begotten son that, he would, uh, that we could be saved. I urge you to accept this offer to rescue and take a hold of lifeline he's throwing out to you in this service, the old man, old minister said. And with that, the old man turned and sat down uh, in his chair, and silence filled the room. The pastor again walked slowly to the pulpit, delivered a brief sermon with an invitation at the end. And however, no one responded to the appeal. And within minutes after the service ended, the two teenagers were at the old man's side. That was a nice story, politely stated one of the boys. But I don't think it was very realistic for a father to give up his only son's life in hopes that the other boy would become a Christian. Well, you've got a point there, the old man replied, glancing down at the, his worn Bible. A big smile broadened his narrow face as he said to the boys, it sure isn't very real, realistic, is it? But I'm standing here today to tell you that the story gives me a glimpse of what it must be like for God to give his son for me. And you see, I was the father and your pastor is my son's friend. I was the father and your pastor was my son's friend. And folks, that's the ultimate sacrifice of love. And so folks, we need to see the manifestation and the measure of love and folks, the maturity of love is this. We don't live for ourselves. We live that the love of God, look at verse 11 and 12. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. That No man has seen God in any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected, manifested, made known, made real in our life. And that's the challenge of the hour. I don't know where people are going to see God, but I know one thing I want. 
and I desire. I want to be so full of God's love that they sense it in my life. I don't want to go through the motions preaching a funeral this afternoon. I don't want to go through the motions of hosting a meal. I don't want to go through the motions of serving or cleaning up. I want people to know, and one lady has already noticed, that we do all that we do for one reason. God first loved us. And we want you to see and sense and feel and know God's love through our little old life. It's time to die to self. It's time to be filled with the Spirit of God. And it's time to show real Christ-like love. And I thank you that you're that kind of church. Father, use this message. Thank you, dear God, for the love of these people. Lord, I hadn't been here 42 years for nothing. I've been loved. I've been forgiven. I sure have been patient with me. And God, I want to do the same for new Christians and Christians that break my heart. Christians that walk off and after many, many years of serving together, just walk off into a contemporary church. But God, as I was blessed at the funeral home with some reacquaintances and reuniting of heart, I thank you, dear God, that the love of God is not bound by distance or by different churches. But God, we're still family, and we still can love each other. And Lord, just maybe by still loving, we'll prove to the world that they don't have to go to contemporary services to enjoy God. They don't have to uh, go somewhere where there's little preaching to enjoy God. They don't have to go to a praise team to join God. But they need to stay around a place where they're loved and where there's loving people, where there's kind people and forgiving people, not of clicks and clacks and splatters and splits, but God, a church that loves one another. And so, Lord, help us to love the lost. God, help us to love the backslid that hadn't been here in years, like the family I just met this afternoon that hadn't been here in 36 years. Matter of fact, when he, when he left, he was just a teenager. Now he's got some daughters and a wife that are searching. Won't, won't, they want God's love. They need God's love. Uh, may we show it to them. Lord, help us as this father to be sacrificial in our love. I don't know if I could have made that decision because I love my children so much. But God, I thank you that this man really did this and this young man that was rescued became a pastor and reached many thousands of souls and he'd went to hell if he had drowned that night. So Lord, help us Never get over Calvary and never stay the flow of the Holy Spirit as we love one another.